0: This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Darrell Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and
1: culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table.
2: You want to live out your integrity and your character that you're living out in your personal life on your social media platform
0: hi i'm carl and i'm a small church pastor and welcome to can this work in the small church my podcast guest today is josh givens and the subject is why your church needs a website and social media josh is the communications director for Northside bible church in mobile alabama it's a great small church that's having a huge impact in their community he also serves in the same position for 614 ministries.org a ministry devoted to equipping local churches with the tools, knowledge, inspiration, and resources that they need to better impact their communities with the gospel of Jesus. In this conversation, Josh and I talk about why every church needs to have both their own website and a presence on social media. Neither one is adequate on their own. We talk about several tips about how to get started creating a website for a small church on a little budget and how to use social media better. Don't forget to stick around when the interview is done. I'll come back with an overview of the content and an answer to the question, Can this work in a small church? Josh, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here, my friend.
2: Hey, Carl, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you. Uh, yeah, you you and your dad, Stan, uh, we've been connecting a lot more lately. You did a great conference uh, this past summer uh, that I got to be at and got to see not just the work that you're doing with other pastors, but the work you're doing at your church and in your hometown. So there's some great stuff going on. But in addition to what you do in your home church, uh, you guys are doing a lot of work with small church pastors And uh, one of the things that that caught my eye recently was you put out a blog post that asked and answered a question that I get indirectly asked a lot. And it's about Facebook and websites. Nobody asks this question directly, but in conversation about, hey, what's your online presence? Often I'll hear a small church pastor say something like, well, we're on Facebook. And so we're good. And when I ask, <laughs> Are, do you have a website? The answer will be, well, we don't really need a website because we're on Facebook. To right. which my response is always, you really do need a website. And then you went right into it. Like, so let me just ask you, what is your answer when people ask, We've got a Facebook page. Why do we need, do we need a website? If so, why?
2: Right, right. Well, there's so many reasons that you could just get into with this. I will say right out of the gate, first of all, and one of the biggest reasons, especially right now with the way Facebook is and the way that they've kind of started um, directing their platform and everything is I, I just always tell pastors of no matter what size church they are you're not the boss of the content on facebook facebook is the boss of the content and they look at me and they kind of go well what do you mean by that and i'm like you're not in control of what you put out there and i don't know and and this has actually kind of come up even more recently with the pandemic and the COVID thing and all of that if you post something and even just say due to COVID 19 or an outbreak of such and such we will be canceling services tonight, and we will remeet um, Wednesday at 6 p.m. Hope you guys all have a great week. Facebook will flag that because it has the words COVID-19 in it. And there will be a little message at the bottom that yep. says, and we all know this, we all encountered this when we started posting on Facebook during the COVID pandemic. And it will say, for more information about the COVID-19, blah, 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 and information from the CDC, please click the following link. And that's right under your church's post. And there's no way for you to avoid that. There's nothing you can do about that. It's going to be all up and down your Facebook page. Anytime you use certain words on your website, you are the boss of your own content and you can word anything, however you want. And nobody's going to interfere with it because it's your territory.
0: Is it as simple as if I'm not paying for it, somebody else owns it. And I only own it if I'm paying for
2: it. That's pretty much it. And Facebook is <laughs> Facebook is a free social media platform, but it's owned by it's free for you to use, but you're in somebody else's yard. You're in somebody else's territory. And the fact that they own it means that you have to quote unquote, play by their rules. So when you post something, yes, it's free for you to put out there um, on your your page. But another thing I explain a lot is that Facebook uses algorithms, which are, little computer calculations that determine like the organic reach that a certain post will get. So this applies to like brands and businesses and church pages fall into that category. If you put something out there and it garners a certain amount of reach, that's because Facebook determined it was going to garner that amount of reach for you. Whereas on your website, you can reach as many people as you want because you're in control of the content.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And an algorithm for those of those of us who are not as savvy about the stuff as you are, is basically a very large and very complicated computer calculation that isn't static, but in fact, reacts to certain things and responds to them. The the idea of algorithm algorithms is kind of what got everybody into Terminator mode, right? That at some point machines are going to come alive. (laughs) These algorithms are kind of the first step in, Uh, self-aware machines almost right because they actually do learn and grow and that's how the mathematical calculation is designed to go right
2: that's right and these pastors when i when i speak on this kind of stuff they look at me like i'm talking about something out of the matrix and i'm like no this isn't science fiction this really is real you're the social media platforms that you're on from facebook to instagram to twitter they're all using these little programs to determine what kind of content is popular what's getting the most hits among your audience What kind of target demographic does your page have? And then the more that you're posting about that kind of material, the more popular it's going to be among your audience. And it's not going to want you to post about other material, even though you might think that other material is important.
0: Right, so it's you're not saying don't be on Twitter, don't be on Facebook, don't be on Instagram. Not you're saying, at all. You're saying don't just be on don't those.
2: just be on there because you're not always going to be the boss of it. You should absolutely be there, and the local church at large should be on social media. A thousand percent, because it is a digital mission field and a half. We should have a presence there to reach people with the gospel. There are real people that we should be reaching there all the time, 24-7. We should be putting our content out there to be seen.
0: Okay. So for those of us who grew up in an analog and not a digital world, would it be accurate enough, a metaphor to say, your website is like when you own your church building And being on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter is like going out into the park and preaching. Yes. I own the building and whatever I do in the building is up to me to do in the building. That's right. And so I control that, but we need to be on social media because we're supposed to go out. We're supposed to go out into the park. We're not just supposed to say, come into the building. Invitations to come to the building is part of it. Yep. So both are necessary, right? Mm -hmm. So would you equally say a church that has a website, but is not on social media would you give the same message to them that they need to be on social media, just like you give to a church that is on Facebook but doesn't have a website? You gotta have a website.
2: Yes, I would. And in fact, I have done that. So there are churches through... Through the revitalization organization that I'm with, uh, that you know, you came and spoke at our summit um, for 614 Ministries, uh, there are a number of churches that we work with where when we have gone in and I've looked at their social media and or website presence or their tech to assess that, I've seen, oh, you guys only have a website and you're not on social media, I would give the exact same advice. Why are you not there? And, it, and in most cases, it's because, well, we don't want to mess with that or the pastor doesn't understand it or you know whatever. And it's it really is, like I said a second ago, it's a digital mission field. You got to be there.
0: Yeah. L- let's get into a little bit then on, on each of those. What are some of the biggest mistakes we're making on social media? What would you say would be top two or three things? Hey, pastors, I see you guys doing this, you need to stop doing that, or you're not doing this, and here's something you should start doing. What would would be two or three of the biggest mistakes we
2: need to be aware of on social media? Uh, are you asking for pastors for their individual profiles, or are you asking for pastors on their on their church pages?
0: <laughs> uh, let's, uh, I was asking for church pages, but now that you brought okay. it, up, let's let's start on individual profiles because I yeah there there's a whole weird world there that we need to touch there on. There is
2: a world world there. <laughs> yeah,
0: let's start let's start with individually because first of all, pastor, you are never not the pastor. It doesn't matter what your your right. tag is on social media. Uh, <laughs> they will figure out that you're the pastor, and it will have an impact on your church, right? Yeah. So let's start yeah. with what are some of the personal mistakes we make on our personal page.
2: I would say right off the bat, stay away from politics. I mean, I know that you know a lot of people advise this one all the time, but be care. And if you're not going to stay away from politics, be careful with politics because it's divisive. And if you're going to do that on your personal profile, you should know that everything you post is public, especially to the people that you're friends with and you're friends with people from your church. And so people from your church are going to see the things that you post and they're going to want to know, okay, why is the pastor talking about such and such when he preached on such and such on Sunday? And if something doesn't line mm-hmm. up, they're going to question that. There's going to be a question of integrity or character there maybe and things like that. So you you want to live out your integrity and your character that you're living out in your personal life on your Social media platform. Right.
0: Now, in addition to that, I have heard, and maybe you, given what you do uh, in the social media and media realm in general, you may have some answers to this. I have heard that in general, when a person is trying to figure out what church to go to, not only do they go to the church website, but they will. Quite often, search out the pastor's private social media stuff. They'll take a look at your Facebook page. They'll take a look at your Instagram, and how you behave there has a big impact on whether or not they will choose to attend your church. Is that true?
2: Yes, it is. Um, it it absolutely is. And if your pastor has a personal blog, especially, and if your pastor has a link to his own Facebook page not profile, but page, like if the if the church is large enough to where they the pastor is either running his own page, um, sort of like you have a page um, because you're you right. you know you're writing books and you're doing things like this. So if he has enough of a following to where he actually has a page, they are absolutely 110% going to check that out first before they decide to make a visit to the church in person.
0: So what you have done, pastor, personally on Facebook is more of a front door to your church than the actual physical front door of your church.
2: Oh, very much so. All of this digital stuff on social media and or your website is the front door more than the physical front door every time.
0: Yeah, we've got this idea of almost physical separation in our heads where the church website is one thing, but my personal Facebook pages and just simply putting down all opinions, mine really doesn't change anything, right?
2: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see that all the time, especially on Twitter. Opinions <laughs> are mine only like, uh, oh, okay, well then i won't I, I won't talk about how how I think your church is, because that's just the pastor's opinion and they're going to be totally different in the poll. It's just so weird how we make those separations out, isn't it?
2: Exactly. Exactly. It is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And we're the only ones who think it matters. (laughs) Yeah, But yeah, everybody else is looking at it, which in fact, of course, we do with others too, don't we? Somehow we have that rule for others. We take a look at it, whether it's a company or whatever, and we see how the CEO behaves and we go, I'm not buying from that company anymore because of the behavior of the CEO. Well, it's even more so in a church because we're not just selling a product. Who we are is central to the message that we carry.
2: That's right. That's exactly right.
0: That's some of the personal on the church uh, generated social media. What are some mistakes we've made or things we could do better?
2: Okay. So a lot of things that you could do better there are, and some of these are real simple. And I actually gave a presentation at a small church that we did some revitalization work with through 614. And I gave a presentation called, I think I titled it uh five things you, you should stop doing on social media or something like that. And this sort of thing came up in there. And then right after the presentation, I got swarmed by a lot of the small church pastors saying, well, I do this. Why should I stop doing that? And why should I stop doing this? And can, can you look at my Facebook page and see if I'm doing this? Right. A lot of it is real small, little stuff, but it's stuff that people notice. And a lot of pastors think of this as things that aren't a big deal, but to your average, especially your social media junkies, they are a big deal. So even the little cheesy things like um, liking your own posts, (laughs) if you post something as the church and then like the post as the church, the fact that you posted it, it's obvious that you approve of that content, right? It's (laughs) like like patting yourself on the back. On the back. Yeah. yeah. So why bother liking it? You would be shocked at how many times I see that on small church pages. I see it constantly all the time. And most of the time it's because the pastor, bless his heart, is the one running the page and he doesn't know how to differentiate between switching over to his personal profile and liking the content from the church page account. Yeah. Cause
0: that is different in people's minds, isn't it? The pastor yes. saying, I like this about my church is different than the church saying, I like this about the church.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's just one of those tiny little things that people notice. And after, you know, being repetitive for a while, it just, it just starts to get, you know, a little out of hand. So that's just one of my little pet peeves I'm going to throw out there at the top. So don't like your own content, please. And then another thing I notice a lot is just real basic. This is just, you know, simple rule type stuff. Don't use copyrighted images. If you're posting stuff to your Facebook pages, you know, just because you find something on Google image search results does not mean that it's yours to use. (laughs) Um,
0: I actually did a how-to video on that on my YouTube. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, Yes. And one of the things that I, I pointed out there is if it's got a watermark on it, and yep. I see that all the time and you oh, it's just subtle people won't notice the point isn't whether or not they'll notice the watermark means you stole it.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Thank you. I saw I saw that and that's why I'm referencing that is is because I saw what you had to say about it. And I see that a lot in the small church world. I see it in the big church world every once in a blue moon, but in the small church world especially because a lot of times what you run into is well, we don't have the tech people and the tech resources to design all of that stuff from scratch um, or to to know where the quote-unquote free resources are so we just hop on google image search and grab whatever we want for sunday's sermon graphics
0: (laughs) and real quick for those who don't check the show notes because almost nobody does uh, (laughs) canva.com and unsplash.com are the two key key places that i go and if it's on unsplash especially it is absolutely all free the fact that it's on unsplash makes it free and it's really high quality stuff
2: Oh yeah, really good stuff.
0: So there are places you can get it for free. If you go to other places like Flickr or whatever, you've got to designate that you're only looking for the free stuff and that kind of, it gets complicated, but Canva and Unsplash, you can't use it on Canva unless you pay. They are really secure about that. And they also help you with design and all kinds of cool stuff. So, uh, all right. Anything else real quick on the mistakes we make on our church, Facebook or social media pages?
2: Yeah, those are the two biggest ones that I see. And then, of course, um, another one is a really, really top one that I'm seeing right now and that I'm talking a lot about right now is not engaging with your audience when they leave comments. When people leave comments, especially if it's something like a prayer request yep. thread that you throw out, if you ask a question, if you pose a question on Facebook And people start leaving comments on it. If you ask the question, how can we pray for you today? And then people start leaving comments. And then you don't reply as the church and or the pastor. They're going to stop leaving those comments. Because they're going to wonder what's the point. So always engage. Always reply. Show them that you care. That you're there in your church and you as the the minister have a presence right there on the page with yeah. them.
0: And, and for me with those, what I do is if I put something out, sometimes you just it's just an announcement and people go, I'll be there and you don't necessarily have to respond to that. But especially if you're asking a question and if, if it's going to be a prayer request thing, what I'll do is I'll go to my phone and I'll make a note in there like two days from now, check this post to remind myself, because there's a lot of stuff going on. We can forget about things, but a simple follow-up is really helpful. So we're skimming across the surface of this, of course, but that's some of the social media stuff. Now let's take a look, look at the website and a couple of questions that I know most small church pastors are going to have when they hear you have to have a website question numbers one and two are going to be, how do I do this? If I have absolutely no technical expertise and two without it costing me a ton of money. I get that I'm going to have to spend something in order to actually own it. But when we go to web design companies, the money starts mounting up real fast. And it feels to a small church pastor, especially, I'm not going to get a website that I'm not embarrassed by unless I spend several thousand dollars. So how do we begin to approach that?
2: The first question I always have to ask right out of the gate is what's your budget like? And if your budget is hardly anything at all, you're going to be looking at the resources like WordPress you're going to be looking at resources like Weebly.com um, where you can build a website or a even a blog site that looks like a website and functions like a website and where you can still maintain complete control of all the content that's there and everything that is posted there and all of the pages and you can design it to look the way that you want it to look. But you are going to be, particularly with, particularly with Weebly, and even in some ways with WordPress, you're going to be uh, designing within the themes that they have right. in most cases. Now you're
0: talking WordPress.com, not WordPress.org. Because .org is is very robust, and that's what like half the websites robust. in the world are built on yep. or something like that. But WordPress.com exactly. is basically out of the
2: box. Right, right out of the box. The bottom
0: line is the, the easier it is, the less control you have.
2: Yes, exactly. And if you don't have a lot of um, web design expertise, especially with like, like what I had to go through in college with like um, writing HTML code from scratch and all that kind of stuff. If you're, if you're not in that world, then you're going to probably want to work within like a theme. You're, you're going to want to do the whole, let's pick a theme. Let's buy a domain name. Let me just, you know, design a logo, stick it up there and start going from there.
0: Aside from the word logo, you just said a bunch of things that 75% of the listeners aren't going to understand what they are. <laughs> so, let's, so let's get into those. I And the only reason I understood it is because seven or eight years ago, I had no money, but I was determined to get this ministry going, and I built mine from scratch. I do right. not recommend it, uh, <laughs> both for the time and frustration it will cost you, plus it'll never look quite like it should. So let, let's start with that. Let's, let's make the assumption that most of the people listening right now are in small churches they have limited a very very limited budget that they're go, they're on facebook and, and social media only at least partially because of the cost and because of the ease they don't they have neither the time nor the finances so what does the the pastor of the small church who's hearing i yeah i get that i need a website i really want to be on a website i want to control our own content and i want people around us to look to look at it and go oh they have enough concern and care about the message that they're putting out there to have gone out of their way to create a website and the web- website looks decent mm-hmm. so what are a couple first steps that they can take to at least put some hope in their heart that this is something that's accomplishable by the average church of you know 40 to 50 people or less
2: again WordPress go to WordPress your wordpress.com or wordpress.org and learn those. Site, You need to be digging into that and setting that up. And if you as the pastor can't set it up, maybe you have a millennial in your church who's technology inclined, maybe you have a college student in your church who's tech inclined, and you can get with him or her and say, hey, I would love for you to set this up for us, you know, would you be willing to get with me and take a few minutes to help me understand how this actually works whatever that looks like. Now, there are some great, and I do recommend these, there are some fantastic tutorial videos on YouTube for all the WordPress stuff. Um, So if you start digging into WordPress and you're unsure of how to go about doing it, there's some great tutorial videos on how all of that works. If
0: you've got even minimal experience with tech where you're comfortable opening up a Zoom account, you're comfortable you're the one who actually opened up your church page on Facebook and you're comfortable with that. You know how to do a word doc, you know how to do a YouTube search, these basic things. And you're like, yeah, I'm comfortable online. Yes. Then my thought would be wordpress.org. Cause that's the one, it takes a little more work, but you it actually de- do, does. you own the functionality of it.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Whereas wordpress.com is easier but they still really, they really own it more. It That's a weird thing online. We, we talked earlier, like if you own your, if you have a website, it's like owning your own property. It really isn't because everything online is kind of owned by somebody else anyway. Right, right. Right, there's <laughs> always, yeah, there's always somebody else with a hand in the pie. There's the server, there's the, yep. you know, there yeah, there's all the different things. But WordPress.org, I think probably gives you the most control, the most functionality, the most options.
2: Yes, that's true.
0: So you go to WordPress.org, It's really easy to sign up. You can actually get a blog going in about 20 minutes. You just pick a standard theme. Would that be a way to do it? Maybe even just get on there with a, a couple of decent photos with a map to the church with your service times listed. And then as you go week by week, month by month, you just continue to build it. Is that
2: a good way to even start? Yes, I do recommend that. But also if you're going to, when you're going to put all of that kind of stuff up on your so Go to your pastor as well and ask him, get with him about the kind of stuff that he wants on the site too. I did this, one of the first websites I ever, that I ever set up for our church years and years and years ago, which was a WordPress site. And I got with my dad and said, what all are you looking for on the, the site before I put it up? You know, obviously all of the essentials, like you were just talking about have to be there, but what else are you as the pastor wanting to be on this site for visitors to stumble across. Um, Obviously there's the seeker friendly stuff, but the pastor is going to have some really good insight into, okay, well, when people see our church online and connect with our church online, this is what I want them to experience. So photography wise and beliefs and all that kind of stuff.
0: Including before you go to wordpress.org, because I discovered this I got on there, and then the first question was, you know, what's your, uh, what URL do you want or whatever? So you've got to decide uh, what you want your site to be called, for instance. Like if you've got a fairly common church name, you're going to have to come up with a www.name.com.org.church, whatever. But decide that before you get on there by doing some searches and finding does somebody else own? Because if there's somebody yep. else that has exactly your church name, guarantee you it's been picked up already. Which means oh, yeah. you're going to have to add your city name <laughs> or something in the URL. Yep. But you need to decide that in advance, or you're going to get part with you and then just give up because you can't even pick a name that works. So e- you want exactly. to want to pick your name. You want to decide what do we want like on the home page? Do we want you know service times? Obviously a map to how to get to the church. If you've got online services, a button that says here here's how you watch online. But make as many of those decisions as possible before you actually get engaged in the building of it process, because otherwise you're going to be frustrated like crazy if you're making those decisions on the fly, right?
2: Exactly.
0: And now a short break to talk about something else. If you like the content you're hearing, here are two things you can do for us. First, forward this podcast to a friend. Second, consider becoming a financial supporter through Patreon, Venmo, or PayPal. Just go to carlvaders.com slash support. For as little as $3 a month, you can help us put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most. Our support link is in the show notes.
1: This episode is brought to you by the Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. One of
0: the things I learned when I started uh, my website was that it was really frustrating to get on, to begin the process, and then to face questions like, what do you actually want your URL to be? Uh, What photos do you want? Do you want a map? So before anybody, whether it's you as the pastor who has some tech ability, or you have somebody who has tech ability, which I small church pastors especially, even if you are good at tech, I really encourage you not to be the one who does it. It's just a frustration you That's don't right. want to add to your day. <laughs> uh, you want, even, even if somebody else is learning, let them learn it. One, let them develop the skill. Two, it gives you somebody who's really serving. And in fact, you find a millennial, find somebody who's younger, who doesn't realize they can serve the church. Exactly. And they realize, hey, wait a minute, I can do this. I know how to exactly. do this and we can, yeah, they have the chance to do that. But that's to make exactly those decisions how I started. Is that how you
2: started? <laughs> that's how I started in high school.
0: <laughs> oh, that yeah, there you go. Yep. That, this is one of those areas where you don't need to have a lot of Christian maturity. It can just be someone who knows the tech. Uh, yep. Now, obviously you want someone you know in your church who, who knows the Lord. I, I think it's important for these kinds of things to have someone who's actually a Christian. I think that helps, but you don't need to someone, someone who's got the depth of spiritual teaching. It can be a young kid who, you know, who loves Jesus, who who's coming to the church. Who's you, you're not having them teach a Sunday school. They're just building the tech That's and exactly. the tech matters, but it doesn't have to have the kind of spiritual maturity that teaching a Sunday school class
2: requires. That's right.
0: So you can, you can have that for people. You can get a a good starting arm ramp for them, but give them all of that. So what, let's do this before we get into the lightning round questions. What are, let's assume, okay, we've got somebody who technically knows how to build it. They go to wordpress.org. They pick a decent theme. We won't even talk about what themes are because once they get in, if somebody does know WordPress,
2: they'll know what a theme is. Sure.
0: What would be four or five things that your website needs to have?
2: Okay, so four or five really basic things your church website is going to need to have. I'm going to highly recommend, like you said a second ago, obviously a Google Map plugin. That's one of the first things that I always recommend. And if you don't know how to do a Google Map plugin, you can just visit. You, you can literally look up your church's location on Google Maps. There is an option to embed the HTML coding, um, and you can plug that into the HTML of your WordPress site and put the Google map there. So it makes it accessible to any visitor to the site. They can click on the map and either blow it up larger on their screen or on their tablet or their smartphone. They can go, they can offshoot to Google maps. They can open it up in their Google maps app if they're viewing it on a mobile device, which is really handy. That's definitely a really big... Deal.
0: As intimidating as some of that technical language you just did might sound to a lot of the pastors listening, if anybody has a comfort level of being able to build your website, even if they're learning it, what Josh just said is not intimidating at all. It's actually very easy.
2: Right, right. It's literally a matter of copy paste because the cool thing is Google has actually done the work for you by providing the HTML code that you need. So on their end of it, all you're literally doing is copying and pasting their coding. And then dropping it into the appropriate place on your site, wherever you want the map to go. So that's real easy. The other thing you're going to want is obviously you're going to want your see a beliefs page (laughs) Mm -hmm. is going to be really important on a church website. If I'm coming to, if I'm checking out your church online, I'm going to want to know what you believe, where you are. We already mentioned that with the map. Uh, What your service times are. So service times are really big. And I'm going to want to be able to either listen to and or see your pastor. So a sermon audio and or video, depending on which one of the two or both that your church is doing, is going to be big. So you need to have a a messages page. So even on a WordPress site, if you're just going to be dropping in like little MP3s of your sermons, which our church did for a number of years, that's something that you can always do. So have a sermon uh, audio player section and then I'm going to say it's going to be a toss up between a calendar or a way to give online. I would probably say giving online is going to go above that for me. You need to have a little plug in. And there's tons of ways you can do this on a WordPress site to where people can give to your church through your website.
0: Yeah, Especially important now with COVID where a lot of your regulars
2: who yes. would normally
0: attended or still very committed to your church simply can't physically be there.
2: That is exactly right
0: yeah our online giving has increased exponentially over the last year and a half as in as in it's transferred over from actual physical checks in the basket to online giving instead oh yeah we haven't had a massive increase in giving it's just simply migrated from physical to uh, virtual in the last year and a half.
2: That's right.
0: And if we didn't have the option, we might've simply lost that money. It may not have been given it at all. That's right. It, it seems weird because of, you know, you said, you know, the service times, your address, and it is amazing how many times I've been to church websites and I can't <laughs> find their address.
2: You have no idea where they are.
0: <laughs> I mean, seriously, or I can't I find, it. I can't find a phone oh, yeah. number to get a hold of somebody. J- yep. Just the basic contact information, it, it, it needs to be there and it needs to be really quick to find they shouldn't have to click two or three buttons to find it
2: exactly it it should not be something that they have to filter through a lot of pages to discover on your site they should literally be able to and and on our church's website if you hit northsidemobile.org, we have a page called new here that is specifically for visitors to the site and people who are interested in coming to the church in person if you have a new here page that tells a seeker this is just for me this church went out of their way to make a page just for me with information that i'm going to going to need before i make a visit service times location map all that good stuff
0: fact, right, that would be a good idea northsidemobile.org you said yep. Yes, sir. That would be a great place to go just to physically see how it works uh, for our church, cornerstonefv.com. Same thing, just to give you an idea of how two small churches are doing it in a way that is very accessible, very usable, that kind of demonstrates a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. That's right. right. So many things we could go into this. And at some point, we probably will come back with you again to do that.
2: And I will, um, before the lightning round, I will throw out one more quick note Okay, to answer your question of why you do need a website and not just a Facebook page is one more really good reason that I was just rattling around in my head is that not everyone, believe it or not, even in 2021, not everyone is on Facebook as shocking as it might seem. Even in my travels with 614, when we've gone to a lot of these real small churches, especially churches in rural areas. There are still people that we encounter who do not have a Facebook profile, who are not Facebook savvy. Um, There's a lot of senior saints who are not on Facebook in small churches. They just don't, don't want to have anything to do with it. They're not engaging with it or anything. But when they want to find out something about what's going on at the church or an event on the calendar or listen to a sermon they missed or something, they they need a place where they can do that. And a website is one of the best places to make that happen.
0: That is a huge point that I can't believe both of us forgot until right now. It's,
2: it's, a, <laughs> it's a really, really big thing. Facebook, I mean, like the whole world is not on Facebook. And even on the other end,
0: those that are tech savvy, there are more and more who are just done with Facebook, That's right. W- with, with the decisions they've made, whether you know, whether you like it or not, I'm not going to make those arguments about, about it, but there are a lot of people who are leaving. In fact, the younger your church is, the more likely they're going to be on TikTok and Instagram and not on Facebook. Facebook is where grandma is. Right.
2: By by now your youth pastor or, and or college pastor, your student ministry pastors have probably gone viral on TikTok and that's where they are. (laughs) So
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, TikTok will be another conversation at another time. I'm not (laughs) even on that yet. But the point of it is both the uh, non-social media awareness are not on it. And the overly social media aware are looking at Facebook, like a dinosaur that they've left.
2: Yep. That's right. So
0: on both ends, we got to make that another reason why we need to have our own space. Okay. Now we're going to
2: subject you to the lightning round question. Excellent.
0: All right. What are the biggest changes you've seen in your field of ministry in the last few years? And how have you adapted to it?
2: Uh, First of all, I've been doing this whole church communications thing for almost, I'm closing in on 20 years now the biggest change was obviously when the pandemic hit and the church, quote unquote, as we know it, suddenly had to go completely digital, right? So right. everything had to move online because people were not attending in person. That, for me, was one of the biggest changes. Of course, a lot of churches, particularly the the really large ones with tech staff and budgets, they were already live streaming to Facebook and YouTube even before the pandemic, but... A lot of small churches, they had no experience with that kind of thing. They didn't do any of that because they didn't have a need for it. So having to go fully digital within the small church space was a really big shift and a big change. I would also say the reality... That the majority of church attenders now, especially as far as the future kind of continues to roll on, they're not going to be physically in the building is another change that we're going to have to grapple with. We've kind of yep. adapted to this by creating and generating content that meets with people where they are, which is online, and then we engage with them through comments and messages and things like that. But yeah, that's that's been a huge yeah. change.
0: What it's really done, as we mentioned earlier, is it's moved the front door.
2: Yes. There is a lot more digital strategizing involved now than there ever was before.
0: Yeah. All right. Secondly, what free resource like an app or a website has helped you lately that you'd recommend for small church
2: ministry? I am going to highly recommend the one that you mentioned earlier, which is Canva. I've been using Canva for a long time and highly recommend it to all of the small church pastors that might be listening to this podcast. It's a great and simple, free, inexpensive platform that can be used. You can even link it to your Facebook account and log in through that, which is what I do. And you can use it to make everything from Facebook headers to flyers and brochures to social media graphics, all that good stuff. And it's very simple. If you can learn Microsoft Word or PowerPoint, you can learn Canva. It's not complex. It's very easy to use.
0: And it's becoming more robust as it goes along. We're we're just beginning to scratch the surface of it. There's so many things in there. And it helps you even with things like the graphic look of things. Oh, yeah. So um, yeah. You, there are so, several places where you can just go and take their template and just put your words into their spot, and it looks really, really good. Exactly. So there's a lot in the yeah, canva.com is great. We yep. use it. Next one What's the best piece of ministry advice you've ever received?
2: Um, I'm going to give a little shout out to my dad here for this one <laughs> because Alrighty. he is a lead pastor and has been in pastoral ministry for, gosh, 40 plus years now, a long time. It's not so much a piece of advice, maybe as a statement of truth that I've taken to heart over the years. And he's very fond of saying ministry is hard work. I think it just rings so true for me and for my generation being a Gen Xer and coming up through the millennial years and even for the Gen Zers and all that out there who might be listening, sadly not been raised on, a lot of them haven't been raised on that value of hard work. And ministry is not just about this romanticized idea of getting all your hopes and dreams met. A lot of ministry really is nitty-gritty, getting into the nitty-gritty of it, working with people, getting your hands dirty, loving people, serving people, not expecting anything in return. And even in the tech world, it means late nights, it means long hours, unexpected work, last minute work. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I get a phone call from an assistant pastor at the church. who says, Hey, I need a graphic about this and I need it tomorrow morning. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? So it really is hard work, but it is one of the most rewarding things you will ever do with your life.
0: I love that. That's one of many great pieces of ministry advice. I'm sure you've heard from your dad over the years, but that's a good one. Love it. righty. Last one. What's the funniest or weirdest thing you've ever seen in church?
2: <laughs> I thought real long and hard about this one. And I'm, um, I i think I actually mentioned it to you when you came in to visit for the Shepherd Summit. Um, but I, I'm going to have to bring your audience in on it now because it was just that good. So, you know, from being there in person at Northside um, that we recently, within the last couple of years, I guess it's been now, um, remodeled our sanctuary. Yeah, beautifully done too. And we took out a bunch of our pews and put in um, round tables. We, We left a few pews on the sides and a couple in the back, and it just brought this whole modern look and feel and vibe to the sanctuary. We got like a little table with a coffee machine on it and and everything. And I remember back to when we first did that, it really, and, and again, this just goes out to all the, the pastors of small churches out there, and they know how this works. It really freaked out a lot of the senior saints. They did not understand the, the change and why we were getting rid of pews. Of course, you know, the pews are kind of a sacred thing, <laughs> you know, and so a change like that is very hard for that generation. And I remember in particular, one of the very sweet, very elderly senior saints of our church, very elderly lady, who's with the Lord now. She was basically a second mother to my dad coming into church that day, seeing all of it for, I I think the first time. And we had put um, black tablecloths on the tables (laughs) And um, she came in and wanted to know why the tablecloths were black, because black was a satanic c- color. <laughs> and she literally asked my dad, why is the sanctuary satanic now? <laughs> this is, this is a satanic sanctuary. And here is the irony, Carl. Would you like to know what color her entire outfit from head <laughs> to toe was? <laughs> And she was asking that question. <laughs> she was asking him, "Why is the sanctuary satanic?" And she was wearing black from head to toe at church that day. <laughs> so that's
0: so yeah, that, talk about lack of self-awareness. If that, my if that
2: just goes to show you how that generation kind of tends to process things sometimes. And of course, when you're in a pastoral family, you know, you come home from a long day at church, and Dad's like, "Hey, let me tell you what happened at church today." <laughs> You know, yeah. and um and you can kind of have that banter when you're a, a pastor's kid. So so the line from my dad that he doesn't mind me sharing that just cracked us all up at the house that day was he said, you know, I looked at her and I said, You know, Mrs. So was, He said, he was thinking this in his head. He didn't say it out loud. He said he said, I was thinking, you know, Mrs. So and so. I was really just kind of standing there thinking you wear black almost every Sunday and I never call you a witch. Oh. <laughs> this is not about what color the sanctuary is. <laughs> this is wow. This yeah. Is about-
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that it's a good thing you kept that as internal dialogue. <laughs> yes, exactly. That could have been a real problem. <laughs> But but yeah, that's where she was going with the, the accusation from the church. Black tablecloth. Wow, <laughs> you just never know what's going to tip somebody's meter, do you? You wow. never ever. Know. Strangest and thing. It's, it's Strangest one of those thing.
2: small church stories. <laughs> Yeah,
0: there you go. Hey, Josh, uh, so much good stuff here. And I know it's going to probably generate some more questions from folks. How can people find you online if they want to follow up on this or any other ideas?
2: Yes, please check out 614ministries.org is our main website um, where I'm the communications director for the Church Revitalization Ministry. But I would also highly recommend, and if you need to get in contact with me, check out jdgivens.com. That is my church communications blog where I write about all things church communications and church tech related. Um, And you can contact me directly through that site as well.
0: Yeah, uh, so much great material from 614ministries.org, the podcast, uh, great material on the website. Uh, Josh regularly writes articles, you know, one of which was the inspiration for this episode today. So I really encourage you to check with that. He and Stan have great hearts for the church and for small churches and for small church leaders and pastors, especially. So, uh, Josh, thanks so much for all of your help today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Carl. It was great to be here.
0: The online world is filled with so many opportunities and potential pitfalls, isn't it? But we have to engage in that forum if we want to meet people where they are. I love how Josh tackles the important issues regarding our church's online life, from the pastor's personal presence to how our church communicates so much before people ever step inside our buildings. So... Can this work in a small church? Can we connect better with people online with both a website and social media without it costing a ton of time and money? This time the answer is yes and no. Let's take a look at both of them. Yes, we can and must get online and stay connected to the people that we meet there. No, we can't do it without it costing us something in both time and money. Yes, There are ways to get on social media and start a website without breaking the bank. But no, you cannot own your own online real estate without investing some money and some time to do so. But it's no different than the time and money it took to find and rent your church building or to build your church building. This is a huge part of how people connect today. And the message of the gospel is important enough to make the investment to be online, both in social media and on our own website. If you'd like to become a Patreon partner for as little as $3 a month and help put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most, check out our Patreon link in the show notes. Want a transcript of this episode? It will be available within a few days of the podcast air date at christianitytoday.com slash Vaders. You can find the link in the show notes. This episode was produced and edited by Veronica Beaver. Original theme music was written and performed by Jack Wilkins of jackwilkinsmusic.com. The podcast logo was created by Solomon Joy of joyetic.com. And me, I'm Carl Vaders, and I'm a small church pastor.